right, before I begin, I just I just want to pray. Father God, I just pray for your courage. And Lord, that anything, everything I say here be according to your will and your purpose. And that Father, whomsoever this word or this teaching or this uh, time in your presence is meant for, Lord, I pray that it will benefit whomever that is. That as they leave here today, they will never leave the same. But that your word will go forth to edify each and every one of us as we hear it. And Father, that we may also live by it. And the lessons that we take here, Father, may we go forth to live according to your word so that you might be glorified in all things. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So we are coming from the book of uh, Jeremiah going into Ezekiel. And I just wanted to make note that at this uh, stage, Jeremiah is painting a picture of a fallen Israel as they have gone into exile uh, into Babylon under the rule of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And I just want to read um, just for us to see that picture uh, and uh, what uh, happened uh, to the city of Jerusalem and to the people. And reading from Jeremiah 52, verses 12 to 16, it reads, On the 10th day of the 15th month, in the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, commander of the imperial guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole Babylonian army, under the commander of the imperial guard, broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, the commander of the guard, carried into exile some of the people, some of the poorest people, and those who remained in the city along with the rest of the craftsmen and those who had deserted to the, deserted to the king of Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar left behind the rest of the poorest people of the land to work the vineyards and the fields. And so we see this picture of uh, the state of, 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 of Israel, uh, Jerusalem uh, to be specific, the city. And it, it's not very good uh, to know that God sent Jeremiah to give them warning upon warning. But what I wanted us to see here is that there are still some people left back. Even though the city has been destroyed and brought down, there are still some people left back who are still, uh, quote unquote, trying to uphold all the uh, priestly uh, uh, duties uh, to, to just kind of give a sense of, uh, you know, that, that God is still with them, which as we will see, God was still with them. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, until God had to show uh, Ezekiel uh, some of the things that they were doing. But what I'm amazed when I see this is God showing us that even though he pronounces judgment to his people, he's still there with them. You know, he, he really never just leaves us or forsakes us. And that's, and that's one thing I want us to see about God today, because as we have learned and as we have come to attend a lot of our Bible study sessions, uh, what we often caution uh, each and every one of us is that we want to see God. We want to see God's character. We want to see his very nature. Uh, we want to see something about God that we probably haven't seen before. And that should give us courage and uh, encouragement as we, as we serve uh, uh, this God that we know to be alive and active and, and does all the wonderful things in our lives that we, we sometimes cannot even fathom. 
But here it is, Jerusalem, at a state where all their, you know, cities are broken down, their temples are broken down, everything has been laid sieged. And and at this point, you know, they're, they're just there trying to make the best of what is left. We move to now Ezekiel encountering God. Uh, around the same time, but at this time, the Bible says that uh, this was the time of King Jehoiachin. And it says, now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives. Again, a picture showing us that Ezekiel was among those, the captives by the river uh, Sheba, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Sheba, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Ezekiel has a vision, and he's among the captive. He's in the land experiencing all the hardships of the children of Israel because of their rebellion. But what's amazing is that God comes to him to show him some more things that the people were doing, despite them being in a state of captivity because of sin. You know, if anything, that should show us, you know, our, our true nature as human beings. Sometimes we may be under judgment, but even in that state of judgment, Sometimes it doesn't stop people from continuing in their state of sin. And here we have again God raising another prophet, Ezekiel, to say, hey, go and warn my people again. It's as if you guys are not taking heed to the judgment that you are currently in. And if you look at you know, the state of uh, our country, as we've, we've often spoken, that we are currently in a state of judgment. We're living the days of uh, uh, Romans chapter 1, where God is giving us up to our debased thinking. Now, uh, to, to, to a certain extent, has that stopped anyone from continuing into sin? And so now we see that God sends another prophet and he will speak to that prophet and the judgment is going to get more severe for what purpose so that the people can understand the state in which they are and repent and so uh, th this is something that you know i want us to see as we keep going forward into our reading that god is picking another prophet ezekiel and saying i'm going to send you to your people go and warn them again of their sin and before God gives Ezekiel his purpose, he starts laying down. Now it came to pass at the end of the seventh day that the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, I have made you a watchman. Ezekiel's purpose, essentially. So God gives Ezekiel's purpose. Why am I calling you? Amen. So uh, 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 as I continue to read, it says, um, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require of your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wicked, wickedness, nor from his wicked way, 
he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So it's important to see how God sets the stage for Ezekiel's purpose. It's not only that he's doing something that is noble and that is meant to save the people and warn the people so they can turn from their wicked way, but he's also telling him that this charge that this purpose and this charge that I'm giving you to go forth uh, to warn the people it, it comes with great grave consequences if you do not do as you are told and I, I just believe that we are you know uh, we are living in a day and age where you know we need to understand the severity of God's charge to his children as to be uh, watchmen on the wall. You know, a, a watchman must be vigilant and he must always be alert to know uh, what is going on around him so that by the spirit of the Lord, he can go warning other people. But remember, we see here that uh, Ezekiel is not only told what he is to do, but as we read forward, we see that God will start showing him the things happening around his people so he can know exactly what to warn his people about. And the truth can be said about today's day and age. You know, we're living in a day where we see so many uh, wrong things happening about around us, so many sinful things happening around us. And the question is, has God changed or has he remained the same? Is this God showing us what we are to see so that we become the watchmen on the wall to go about warning people of the danger that is pending, the danger that is due to all those who continue in their iniquity. And, you know, I, I don't want to come in in a way that makes us afraid of God. We should have a healthy fear of God, yes, but not afraid to the point where it paralyzes us. You know, we should be afraid to the point where we know that we have a charge and we have a duty as his children, that when he calls us to be watchmen, when he shows us the things that are happening around us, that our response should be stiffly warning and doing our best to speak the truth of the gospel as he has given us so that people can know. But even if they reject it, as God just said here, their blood is no longer in your hands. It's in the hands of the person who has rejected it because now they have knowledge of the truth and they willfully rejected the truth. You see, so here now we are seeing God clearly stating his purpose and he hasn't changed he clearly stated his purpose in the great commission when he gave it to all of us to go out into the world and preach the gospel making disciples of nations so when we see that consistency of god we can honestly say as we often say that god is the same yesterday today and forever that statement becomes more real to us because the same thing he gave ezekiel he has given us his followers today before god comes to give Ezekiel uh, the the wrong things that are, 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 are happening in, in the city uh, 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 in, in, in the midst of their punishment for sin and they're continuing in sin and adamant in it, God begins to lay down how Israel is going to be overtaken. Overall, the judgment that he's going to give to Israel for their sinful deed. And I believe that today we are seeing the same thing. God has already promised uh, that he will judge the world in righteousness. And he cannot judge the world in righteousness if he doesn't clearly state what his righteous standards are and his statutes and his commandments are. And so, you know, we can look at that 
pattern in scripture and say, well, uh, God is not a God that will leave us ignorant. If we are ignorant, it's by our own doing and it's by our own desire to be ignorant because we do not want to know the statutes and the commandments of God. But as we live in this day and age, everyone knows what is right from wrong. And, you know, the Bible clearly says that there's going to be a time where, you know, we will no longer need anyone to tell us what is right from wrong because it'll be in our spirit and it'll be in our very soul. We will know, we will inherently know what is right from wrong because the Holy Spirit will prompt us that this is wrong and this is right, but yet we will choose what is wrong. But here it is, God, really, uh, uh, you know, just before telling Ezekiel what is going to happen to Israel, he, he gives them an overview, some of the uh, uh, sins and and uh, the iniquities that Israel has committed and what is going to result to if they don't repent after Ezekiel goes to tell them what their sins are. And so we read from Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it. Build a siege wall against it and heap up a mount against it set camps against it also and place battering rams against it all around moreover take for yourself an iron plate and set as an iron wall between you and the city set your face against it and it shall be besieged and you shall lay siege against it this will be a sign to the house of Israel. And now this is God telling uh, uh, Ezekiel, the, the city of Israel, again, will be laid siege because of their wicked deeds. But there was one thing that I saw here that really amazed me. And this is something that I, I saw the same happen to uh, Prophet Hosea. God not only wanted to tell Hosea to go and warn his people about his sin, but he wanted Hosea to have an experiential knowledge of how God felt about that sin. And God used an illustration that told him to marry a harlot because that's what Israel represented. They committed harlotry against God by worshiping other gods, mean, knowing well that they were married to God. They had a covenantal marriage with God. And so it's, it's like God shows tells Ezekiel to go to do these things so that he himself will see and experience what God is about to do to Israel. So that in communicating what God has sent you to communicate to Israel, you would communicate it as uh, from a point of empathy, not just sympathy. It's like you yourself have, have experienced what you're going to tell the people. And I believe that when you speak from that vantage point, it, it, it comes with more passion. It comes with more severity. People can honestly see the intensity of the message you're communicating to them and why they are to change. And so you're not only going to go be send a message that, you know, I, I've, I've experienced, you know, sometimes I would send my son to go do something and he's just going to say it, not understanding how that feels to me and why I want him to say it. So sometimes I will have him just 
go to, I will see him go to an experience and I'll say, you see, that is how I feel when I tell you to not do something or when I send you to do something. So there is a difference in feeling what that person, experiencing what that, that person experiences and then going and relaying the message that the person has actually to relay it. It's almost like you have personalized that message as though you were the one actually giving that message because you know the results and the repercussions of you know uh, uh, disobeying uh, those commandments and that message. And so that's why I see uh, God doing here, setting an illustration. And, and here, here, here we see Ezekiel doing all those things and watching what is about to happen to his people. And I'm pretty sure that if, he, if it was you and I, if, if God was telling me, do this, do this, do this, this is, a, this is what is about to happen to my child. While I'm doing it, I'll be shaping because I know that this is about to happen to someone I love. And I don't want this to happen to them. So when I go to relay that message, there'll be a different sense of urgency that comes from a place of love for the people. So God did that with Jeremiah. He did that with Ezekiel and he did that with Hosea. Feel what I'm feeling. So when you go to communicate with my people, you will communicate as though you yourself are experiencing that and then it is painful and you would express it with that level of pain. But then... Uh, God puts him through uh, another experience and he says, lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. See, that's happening to himself. And he, he has to do that to himself. He has to perform this act to himself. So he himself is feeling the pain. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure, as I said, in communicating that message to Israel, I'm pretty sure he did it with a certain level of passion. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. Do you know what it means to bear a, a, a group of people's iniquity? That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. When he took, he bore the iniquity of the, of, of the sins of this world upon himself. He became a curse so that we can become a blessing to God. All those who believe in Christ Jesus. So when we look at this pattern, it's the same pattern being communicated all through scripture. Someone must take the burden and feel what it feels so that in, in performing that sacrifice, as you communicate with the people, it'll make It'll, it'll bring more meaning and it'll it'll have more impact to the people, uh, hopefully, that you're communicating the message to. But they will see and they will know that it's, it's, it's not a message that you're coming to joke. It is very serious and harmful. But as I continue to read from verse 5, For I have laid on you the, the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days, so you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid on you a day for each year. So it's 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 almost like God was God was telling him, listen. I'm laying this iniquity on you and a day for each year, you are bearing the pain and consequences of Israel's sin on yourself. Again, as I said, when you go, you will know how to communicate. But verse 13 says, then the Lord said, so shall the children of Israel eat their defile. But before that, God describes how Israel, because they chose to defile themselves, they will have lack in food, lack in in water resources, and even the ones that they will have, they will eat it in a way that is defiled because they themselves chose to defile themselves before God. And so this is 
Coming now now to verse 13, and God said that you shall eat defiled bread among the Gentiles, because we know that the Gentiles were not those whom God had sanctified for his purpose yet, you know, but he had chosen Israel out from among the people and made them a nation so that he might walk with them through them the lineage of jesus will come through whom all humanity will be saved jews and gentiles alike but up until then we're seeing that god taking the jews together uh, the israelites together he put them together for a purpose but they were constantly refusing to live according to the purposes for which god had called them to live and so since in this time of judgment they chose to live in a way that is that will defile themselves before God. God said, okay, since you chose to defile yourself, I'm going to mix you with the Gentiles, those whom have continuously done evil acts before me, worshipped other gods that they, 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 that they did not even know. The Gentiles did all kinds of things. I mean, the Bible clearly states that, you know, they worshipped Balaam, Balaam, all of these gods that, you know, were not real gods. And Israel found themselves doing some of the things that they were doing. And so they defiled themselves before God. And all the while, God was still in the temple. God was still showing them. His presence was still there being patient with them in the acts of rebellion. And, 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 and as God calls Ezekiel to pronounce to him uh, what he's going to do to Israel, it is very clear that God is displeased with his people and he's going to put them through some more difficult time than what they are already in. And then verse 16 of, of that chapter to 17 says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, surely I will cut off my Cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety and shall drink water by measure and with dread they, that they may lack bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of their iniquity. And I know up until this point, we are, we are seeing God very displeased with his people and pronouncing a lot of the judgments that he's going to lay upon his people. But this is the God we serve. He, you know, if, if he's a just God, he cannot let iniquity just go by. And we have learned this uh, for, for uh, the longest time that we have been, you know, studying our Bible study. But, uh, you know, I, I hope as we are going uh, through this thing, we are picking up something different from what you know God is trying to show us that you know at the end of the day God will always do what he needs to do because if he turns a blind eye to sin then it will continue and it will be more severe than it is we are somewhat experiencing that today uh, in, in today's day and age when we are watching all kinds of uh, you know just debauchery happen around us some of the things we never thought uh, people will be defending, they're defending today with their lives and their rioting and, and all kinds of things. Lawlessness is increasing. And let's just think about it. If the Lord just saw this and left and, and left it go on for years upon years without doing nothing, none of us will believe in safety. None of us will live in peace. So sometimes when we see God act so harshly against sin, when he acts with anger against sin is because he knows the, the destructive nature of sin on a people, on his people that he created with his own image. And so why was God really angry with Israel? Well, we're going to go through some of the things um, that God mentioned. And so I, I want us to take the time 
And as we go through these things, I would love for us to talk about some of the points and see whether there is a version of that happening today. What do you think our response should be if you see what you're seeing, what God is showing you in our generation? So I will read from Ezekiel 5, uh, verses 5 to 6. says, Thus says the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgment by doing wickedly more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgment and they have not walked in my statutes. So what were some of the sins that God clearly stated to uh, Ezekiel as he began to walk him through the temple, showing him some of the things that his children did? It defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations. They had high places, which were uh, places of pagan worship. At the north of the altar gate was this image of jealousy in the entrance of the gods. They had, I mean, this is just more and more uh, of false gods that they had just displayed in, in God's temple. Every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed, carved images all around the walls. These are more, a lot of the things that they kept doing. Uh, women were sitting there weeping for uh, Tammuz. Uh, Tammuz was a Marian fertility god similar to the god uh, Adonis. So women who could not bear children did not go seeking after God. They went seeking after other gods. And it's like, God, I remember warning them that I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other God before me. And here we are, generations down the road. Uh, people have totally forgotten, or maybe they've just, you know, thought that maybe because of our suffering, God is no longer with us. Meanwhile, we know that in Leviticus 26, God had warned them, say, hey, listen, when you guys go into iniquity, I will punish you. I will do this. I will do this for the only purpose of you returning back to me. And so it, it seemed they had forgotten all of God's commandments, all of God's statutes, all of God's promises to them when they walk in obedience and they, when they walk in, in, in disobedience. They had forgotten all of those, so much so that they, they had a habit of turning to other gods. About 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east, and they were worshiping the sun towards the east. Yeah, they are worshiping sun gods. And so I just want to ask uh, uh, this question. As you see today, do you see any similarities, not only in America, because I know in Africa, I can talk to you a lot about uh, uh, Cameroon, even where I come from, my, my native land uh, and my village, uh, where I come from. Do you see some of these things happen? I, I also recently heard a, a teaching from Dr. John Molinda, and he was expressing some of, I think it was an early stage of his ministry when he talked about some priest uh, representing the kingdom of darkness in a particular city who literally held that city bound to a lot of wicked things. And God had to deliver that man who, who was a priest of the kingdom of darkness. And the man began to explain and show us a lot of the things that uh, people were doing and what he was doing and what he would encounter 
uh, in, in the spiritual realm, all the, just like the awful creatures that he'd see uh, in, in the spiritual realm and, and how he talked with them and encountered them. But I just wanted to really ask, we see God uh, communicate to Israel. Um, I think it's a question I've been asking for a while. Um, are we seeing what God is speaking in the Bible about our, what our generation now, what's going on? And yes, most definitely we're seeing it. We're seeing the uh, the turning away, you know, going to false gods, believing any and everything that comes across the path, you know, and defiling um, God's people, um, God's uh, God's church. I mean, everything that is on this slide, we are doing now. We are just turning away from his word. When you give people the word, they want to uh, fit it to the way it's going to work for them. And if it doesn't line up with the world, then they don't want the word. They want to bring the world into the word, but not the word into the world, if that mm. makes sense. And and that's that's what I see is going on. It's just that every, like you said, everything that is right, they want to say is wrong. Mm. Um, and everything that is wrong, they want to say that it's right. So we're, I think we're right in in the midst of it all and and we have seen um and heard uh, uh some of the things that's been going on around the world how god is showing his miracle signs and wonders and we're ignoring them and we're making them something else or we're not reporting them i just um was had a conversation someone wanted to share one of their books with me and thought you know i might be interested in it and i looked at the book and then i looked at the title then i looked at the contents of it and i'm we're like, you can have your book back because what it wanted to say was that Jesus has already come. He's already here. And I'm like, no. And they said, well, did you read it? I said, I didn't have to read it. I saw the title and then I looked at the contents of it and I'm kind of like, I need not go any further. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I need not go any further because it's not lining up. Even the title is not lining up with God's word. So that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, it's just the spirit just like, no, 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 Mm-mm. no, because this is, it was already confusing in me, confusing me. And I said, God is not an author of confusion. Yes. So I know he is not yes. in it. You can have your book back. I don't want it. I don't need to read it. I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, have something contradict something. Cause I had a lot of questions when they brought it up and I don't need to take up so much time, but that's kind of like, if he is already here, how come we haven't seen him? Mm. If he is already here, why do we still have his word? If he is already here, you know, we should be seeing lots of things that God said, you know, that Jesus said he was going to do. Why are we doing communion? Why are we still going to church? Why are we still praying? Why are we still doing all this? If he's here. Mm. So I said, no further. Get your book back. You can have it. Get the little demonic seed out my house. You know, get it out. <laughs> so, yes, but thank you. Thank you. This is- That's amazing because we have to be careful. There are a lot of doctrines of devils out there. Uh, people who don't come to you with uh, the motive of, of spreading the gospel for the sole purpose of winning souls, they come to you because... The underlying purpose is making money and, and getting notoriety and getting the praises of men and then upping your status among men. And it has nothing to do with God. And, you know, especially when the Bible says, if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. We are, we are, we are now 
seeing that our main goal and our purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. So if your book isn't doing that, I don't want that next to me. I don't, if your book is spreading falsehood, I don't want that, you know, and because typically what it, it does is points you to a false savior. You spend valuable time praying to that false God who will do nothing for you. And so it's really important. So my next question is, as you asked, like, so what is the Christian's response when we, because, you know, as I said, you know, God called Ezekiel and he told Ezekiel what his purpose was. He was to be a watchman. And God didn't just say, sit there and watch. I will tell you what to go and watch for. And I will even show you. And as you see these things, your duty now is to go tell these people that the wrath of God is coming because of these behaviors, because of these sins. And so a, a watchman, if, 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 if we think about one of their inherent duty is to know God's decrees, uh, know God's uh, righteous judgments, so that when you go to warn, you will warn according to God's word, not what you feel or what you think. You know, I believe that's the spirit behind, you know, a lot of us, a lot, a lot of people, you know, in, in essence, wanting to compromise the gospel, as you so beautifully said, Sister Connie, is that we want to, we want a gospel that fits the world, not a gospel that transforms the world. And, and that is a big difference. But now the burden is, is, is on us uh, to not compromise the word because Ezekiel didn't do that. Despite God putting him and showing him what is about to happen to the people, he's about to lay siege on his people. He's about to cause famine and he's about to allow the people to defile themselves as they really want to because God didn't say that he would just defile his people for the sake of doing so. The people were already defiling themselves. And just like we're seeing the same pattern in Romans chapter one, he's giving them up to what they actually want so that the judgment may be full, you see. So now as we Christians, looking at the pattern of, of this book, God has shown us just like he showed Ezekiel, what is wrong from what is right. So if we know what is wrong from right, it is our duty to lovingly, gently, patiently tell our brother, our sister, that this is wrong. I, I just got off with the phone with my uh, one of my young uh, brothers here, um, and I was just telling him about, he was just complaining about, uh, you know, how he's going through a difficult time working odd jobs, trying to raise money to take care of himself. And I, I told him that the answer is not, to complain, but to know that you have to keep working. Uh, you have to keep working. Why? Because, uh, you know, the, 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 the life of a man is plagued by, we have to work. We have to, we have to continue to work. They, you know, we, we rest at night. We have times when we rest, but there is no time where you can sit and say, I, I'm not going to do work. Like you, you, you will not produce fruit in our lives. And I was just trying to advise him to know that Everyone goes through stages in life. And, and just like God took us from one stage uh, to another stage, he, he did that so that we can bring glory to his name. And, and to know that everything that he's showing us as we walk with him is so that we can turn around and warn the person that's behind us, lend a helping hand, give them some encouragement, tell them the truth. And we know they're going down a path of destruction so that just like God used a vessel to save you, he can use you to be a vessel to save 
another person. You know, so does, does anyone else have anything to add? Watchmen are supposed to watch. But the question we should ask, if we, if we don't know what to watch for, how can we watch? We'll be watching everything else but the one thing that we are supposed to watch. And um, that only comes with our relationship with God. And uh, I like what earlier, Terence, when you said, uh, we need to know the character of God. We need to know who the, the person of God is. And that's the same thing I shared last week. If we know God did everything and is doing everything because he loves us, it's like when my son does something wrong, I correct him. I get angry, I correct him because I love him. Same as that. But if, and yes, God is holy. In John chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, clearly tells that God sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So, I keep telling myself, is the love of God will cast out every fear. I really need to know that God loves me and he's doing everything because he loves me. He's not a God like, okay, you go to hell, you go to hell, you go to hell. He's not that kind of God. That's not never. And even, even when he's uh, passing judgment, you know, like burning of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not an easy thing for him. He wept because it is like when your son is hurt or your, your daughter is hurt, you weep, right? What more God who created and his breath was breathed into us. We were created in his image. And when we really know how much he loves us, I, I, I still haven't, because I still am rebellion, I'm still having my way. But when, when things go wrong, when I sit down and really ponder and search, then I realize, wow, it actually was my doing that got me away from God yes. and got me into this mess. Mm. Just recently, I went to see a friend and a friend had a, a staff and uh, he was so depressed, so down and so confused. And, and she said, pray. And uh, she said, pray and tell me what's wrong with him. I said, I'm not God to tell everything unless God reveals. But amazingly, um, how God let me, he was married, Muslim, got married. And then after that didn't work out and he's feeling so down and all that. Then he said, then in, in his conversation, he said, I'm in this LGBT group. I said, what do you mean by that? Be more specific because uh, you have a partner or you have a wife. Because in Malaysia, lately they will say, I ha uh, this is my partner, you know, or uh, and uh, my partner is at home. Of course, when they say this is my partner, you know where it is. Mm -hmm. They are in which group, but I said, I, I, my partner is at home. So I used to wonder, what is this mean partner, not wife, you know, or not husband, you know. Uh, when he said, yes, I said, then, then do you know why your marriage didn't work out? I said, why did your wife know about what happened, who you are? He said, no, because 
we don't tell our partners, I mean, our wives, because they have a clang in, he's from India, a, a community where all LGBT group, they are all married because they are Muslim. So they are afraid. So they get married and they don't tell their wife. So I said, that's not fair. If your wife keeps secrets from you and then you find out, will you be hurt? She said, yes. So don't you think that you should have told her before you got married and let her decide, you know, and that's why the marriage didn't work out. And then not only that, he's saying, now I'm a Christian. So I was like, wow, I hearing that and suddenly prompt me to ask him, so what do you know about Jesus? You know what he said? At first he said, oh, I met this Christian lady. She's a teacher and she told me about how uh, people are. Christians love one another and she was so kind to me. I love her so much and everything. Then I found out when I asked her the asked him the question so what do you know about jesus oh i don't believe in jesus so there's two things one as christians we know jesus died jesus was resurrected but do we believe in every word that he says and we also need to understand in the garden of eden satan really used god's words to god eve astray so that's what I feel that as watchmen, we really need to be soaked in his love, in his presence and fill our mind with his word. Then we are able to walk. And I think this is something that is ongoing. I, the moment I say, okay, I'm fine. And then I find I am, I'm actually not fine because I might, must constantly be filled with the, in his presence, constantly be filled with his love, with his word. It's a battlefield, yes, it's a narrow road. But if we focus on that's the only road that leads to life, then we will really go the journey of the narrow road. Till we see him face to face, it's going to be so narrow, narrow, narrow. But the hope that we have, this is the only road that leads to life. Yes. So I better be in this narrow road, you know, being squeezed both sides. But I know that I'm not alone on this road because the Lord is holding my hand and leading. And that's the word for each and every one today. He's holding our hand and leading us. When you say holding your hand, the whole Holy Spirit is holding our hand and walking us through this battlefield that we're in and how we can touch and speak to those things that are not of, of, of God. And that's what we're to do. And we can do it and we can do it with confidence. He's, and, and, and the more nervous we get, the more like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, the tighter the grip gets and more boldness comes into us and we can walk with our head up and do thus saith the Lord. So thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, uh, uh, Jeremiah complained that he was too young. He couldn't speak the same complaint that uh, Moses had. Uh, so, you know, we can sometimes be afraid and it's, it's normal. It's understandable. We are still in this flesh where we can be afraid just a little bit to to go forth and do what God has, has uh, you know, called us to do in love. But uh, 
As Pastor Shira said, just know that the Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus himself promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you and that he will be with us till the end of age. So I, I don't know what other promise can be just more satisfying than that, to know that God is with us. And time and time again, we've seen that pattern in the Bible where, you know, uh, the, the people of God, uh, when they knew that God was with them and they put their faith in God, nothing they did went wrong. And I believe that's what happened here uh, in in the book of Ezekiel. The people now thought their God was not with them. And so they went seeking after other gods because they thought their God had abandoned them. And so, but, you know, uh, the truth, truth be told, all, all of us have been in a, in, a, in, a, in a place in our life when the enemy has succeeded to cause us to doubt whether or not God is really with us. You know, sometimes let's say maybe we may skip our Bible reading for some weeks, months, years, or whatever the case may be. And because of that distance that we've had as a result of not reading our Bible, we sometimes think that maybe God is not with us. I haven't spoken to him in a while. He, he's probably angry with me. He's, he's, he probably thinks that I'm going to use him. I'm, I'm just there to use him as a genie in a bottle. Uh, sometimes the devil injects a lot of thoughts in your head, so much so that you, you know, you just coast through life on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, doing what you think is right in your own eyes, or maybe, you know, you you start trusting in other things and spending time with other things more than you do with God because of the discouragement. But I, I just want to say that you know god has called us to greater things and you know he did promises that greater things than these we will do because he goes to the father and i believe anyone who puts their faith in the word of god when he says that we can do greater things if you have the desire to do greater things you can do greater things i believe uh, too often god shows us these examples he is just we, we we try to teach a balanced gospel that you know there are two sides to the god we serve if you willfully set yourself up to rebel against God after knowing him and don't care. Well, we know what your end is. Most of the times when we see, when we read through the Old Testament and we point out these mistakes, it is so that we do not repeat the same mistakes. We do not go in the same cycle that Israel went through after they had come to know their God. You know, and I believe God shows us these things because he loves us. That is another way of God expressing his love towards us. Hey, on this path, there are these mistakes, that mistakes, and don't repeat them or don't do them because they only bring forth harm to your life. They bring no success. So when we think of it in those terms, we begin to see God's warning as, as an act of love towards each and every one of us. And I hope that as we are going through this teaching, we are looking at it from that vantage point, not to be uh, terrified of who God is, because God doesn't want us to serve him because we are terrified of him. The greatest power, the greatest emotion we can express towards God is our love towards him. And he wants us to do everything because we love him. And as he told us in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, that if we do anything without love, it means nothing. You know, so let us think about that as we go forward and as we begin to read is know that God doesn't want us to repeat this mistake because then we are not acting in wisdom after God has shown us. These are the things that he doesn't want us to repeat. And when we go out into the world, we should, we should say, hey, nothing is new under the sun. You know, what we're doing today was done before. 
And human beings have the same nature of sin. We may express our sins in different ways, but it's the same nature. It's the same thing. You know, like, you know, sexual immorality is still sexual immorality. Whether it was, it happened hundreds of thousands of years ago and it happened to, and it's happening today, we may have a different way we express the sexual immorality, but it's still the same sexual immorality. So nothing is new under the sun. We go in love, expressing those acts that lead to destruction to give an alternative, which is the gospel that leads to life and keeps us on a straight and narrow path. Amen. So uh, we're going to read from Ezekiel uh, 9, verses 9 to 11. Then he said to me, the iniquity of those of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. God's promise to slay the wicked because of their wicked deeds. Well, it continued in it. So uh, again, as, as we read through these things, let, let us know that God's stand against iniquity is will never change. Then he said to me, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversity. For they say, the Lord has forsaken the land. You see, they thought that God had forgotten them. So, you know, everyone did the way they wanted to do. And I've, I've been in a situation where, where I've heard many people say, well, if God is alive, why do all these bad things happen? You know, I, I believe that they were saying the same thing. You know, they said, the perversity and, and bloodshed in the land, uh, uh, iniquity was exceedingly great. So I'm pretty sure people say, are all these things happening? There must not be a God. I should just go ahead and do whatever I want to do or, or fall in line with what everybody else is doing to just go along with the flow of life. There's probably no God. I'm not going to make a God of my own image. So here we're seeing that when people start thinking there is no God, because of what they are seeing around them. If they don't have a full understanding of how God acts, we can easily decide to do what pleases us, thereby plunging us, us further into sin. And so this is what's happening. And so I believe that, you know, one of the ways we can really be instrumental in, in our evangelistic outreach or in, in being that watchman on the wall is to blow that trumpet to say that the reason the world it is today is because of sin. Sin is our problem. And men must know that absent from Christ, they are worse of a sinner as, as a killer or a murderer or a rapist is. You know, so absent from Christ, we all do the judgment that is is is, is preserved and, re and reserved from, for us. But Jesus is the answer to all the problems that we face. And so uh, we are seeing that happen here. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then the man clothed with linen who had the ink horn at, the, at his side reported back and said, I have done as you, you commanded me. It is a terrible thing to think about what is due to the wicked. And I believe when we look at God's punishment, you know, he has clearly told us not to be afraid about what man can do to this body, but we should be more afraid of what he can do to this uh, flesh and to our, our souls by casting into heaven. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, so I think knowing God's wrath, um, we go out with a level of compassion uh, for the lost souls because we know no man can stand the wrath of God. And the compassion and the love should drive us to warn and, and, and speak to people about 
what God has reserved for those who have denied his only way of salvation, uh, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can no longer hear people say or give us excuses that there is sin in the world, that there is no God because of all the bad things we see happen in the world. We must remind them that they are sinners. We are sinners, not sin from Christ. <laughs> we are doomed for destruction. But with Christ, God has made a way that we can be saved and cleansed of our unrighteousness. And it's by virtue of what he has done, not what you have done, because your works are like a filthy wreck unto God. But the works of Christ are worthy enough to be acceptable before God. And that is why we are saved. Amen. And then after this, thinking about everything that we have spoken before, the glory of God was still at the temple, uh, despite everything. But now God departs the temple uh, but I want to pay attention uh, to the judgment against wicked counsel. Uh, we are reminded of what Psalm 1 uh, teaches us. Uh, Blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of, of the ungodly. Amen. But in his law, he meditates day and night. Amen. So let me just read that. I love that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. I believe uh, when I read from Ezekiel 11, 2 to 4, and God judging the wicked because they have given wicked counsel to, pe to the people of God and enticed them to rebel against God. And, you know, um, Ezekiel 11, 2 to 4 says, And he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city, who say, the time is not near to build houses. This city is the, is the, is the cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore, prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. And so, here we are. People are in this era and at this time, giving wrong counsel to God, telling people not to worry about the times that do whatever you want to do. And, you know, the time is not near. Don't do anything that glorifies God. Don't build his house. Don't do anything that brings God glory. Uh, do whatever you want to do. And in today's day and age, people are hungry for answers people are hungry for solutions and, and oftentimes we lend our ears to wicked counsel people who continually advise us to focus on ourselves uh, <laughs> to do what we want to do and what we and what pleases us knowing very well that jesus calls us to a sacrificial lifestyle if you fall it, pray to someone with wicked counsel uh, it's it goes without saying that the power to be misled to doing something that is wicked before God is, is real. And so we, we must really think about, you know, what we are seeing God show us here is that the wicked who counsel other people to do wickedly before God for themselves pile up more judgment. So I, I just think as, as Christians, we should really feed ourselves with the word of God so that we could be uh, sources of good counsel Preach that truth with love. Speak it with love and not compromise it. After all is said and done, uh, we, we often take comfort in the fact that God restores. God will restore. 
God will redeem his people. God will heal his people. In spite of everything they go through, God will still heal. After everything we've read, this is really what I want us, I want us to see about God. Is that at the end of it all, he doesn't abandon us. We know the scripture that says that he chastens those whom he loves. And so, you know, God set his affection on Israel. He chose to love Israel with an everlasting love. And we are seeing God's kind of love. It's not like ours. Today we might say we love someone and tomorrow we can hate them passionately. This is just as much as we said we love them. But God's love is different from our love. When he sets his affection on you, he will love you uh, uh, to the point that if he needs to correct you, he'll correct you to get you back in line. And, and I believe that's something we all know about God as we have been going through this Bible study session. But it's good that every now and then we see that again about God. And it gives us encouragement not to totally fall away when we're faced with many challenges or when we feel like God is not near, when we feel like it's just a dry season, we're not feeling the presence of God like we used to feel. Maybe that's a time where God's calling you to fast and pray and draw nigh to him because we are in a battlefield and the, the real fight is in the spiritual realm. Sometimes you may feel down and, and you may be going through an attack, but know this, that God is with you. And at the end of the day, God restored Israel. So I'm going to read Ezekiel 11, uh, 17 to 20. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel and they will go there and there will take away all its detestable things and all its abominable abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. A lot of us have heard this scripture, uh, but I would like to end with that because that's God's promise. Uh, he is still fulfilling that promise because we know that there is a mass exodus of the Jews from many parts of the world back to the land that he had promised to his people. He's making himself known. I see a lot of ministries now in Israel preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I can see the work that God is doing. Whether the Jewish people who deny Jesus uh, want to continue denying him, uh, sadly, it's to their peril. But our prayer is this, that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as their, as their promised Messiah, as we have come to know him and experienced him in our own lives. And he has been nothing but good to us because our God is good. And so I wanted to ask if anybody had anything else to add. Based on Ezekiel 11, 17 to 20, you know, this is not something that's going to happen in the near future but it's already happening. You know, hearts are being changed. Yes. Noah, Noah, when God came to judge the world, you know, and the world was wicked, but there was one righteous among the whole lot. Not only that one, eight were saved. So God is saying, as what you see in the world, as sin abounds, grace abounds. 
I'm not saying compromise. No. What God is saying is when sin arises, there is another generation who is walking with God. So don't be discouraged. That's what God told Ezekiel. That uh, there are 7,000 who have not bowed down to Baal. Am I right? Yes. Okay, because this is an impromptu. I should not get the numbers wrong. <laughs> so God is saying for you and I today, you know, there are a lot more that what is happening in the world but side by side, the kingdom of God is growing because God has decided to give his increase. Because in Genesis, he says, bless and multiply. And it will never returns void. It, its word always accomplished for what he has sent for. And, and one of the reasons we should read the word, every word brings life from the scripture. Yeah. And every word is a weapon against our enemy. And every word is also a healing balm for our soul. Yes. So God is saying, as, as watchmen, as believers, the word is enough. That's why heaven and earth will fade away, but his word will remain. Wow. The word is eternal. Let's embrace it. Amen, Pastor Shear. I, I wanted to say this when you were speaking, uh, that one thing that I am seeing is when we speak the word over someone uh and i i'm i witness it before my eyes the word does the work and it's beautiful to see jesus work that way i watched a man i spoke the word that the holy spirit put in me the word the word of god not my word not some word the word the scripture and this young man, I saw a difference from him outside my car than when he was in my car. And it he was different. It was like the word of God was already working. Mm -hmm. And then when he got to a, the destination, the his thoughts were clearer. His eyes looked different. And I thought, wow. This is beautiful. The word of God is living and active. So that's so true. Just speaking the word to people and, and always praying, Lord, purify my motives so that I can speak it with love and compassion yes. and the mercy of Jesus and just be, um, you know, my voice and just amazing. So that is so true. I, I just wanted to say that I see it. I witness it and all glory to God. And it's beautiful to, to witness him work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come thanking you. We thank you for the speaker of the hour and the word that he has given to us, Lord God, to help strengthen us so we can move forward each and every day. We look to your word, Lord God, to be our God. We look for the Holy Spirit to be with us, holding our hand as we go about and do what thus saith the Lord. We thank you for everyone and we pray and bless everyone that's been online with us today. We pray for those who are in the field 
that are over in Africa now and they're doing mission work and they're doing what you have called them to do, Lord God. We thank you for them. Pray that they have safe journeys back home and that your word has gone forth. People have been healed and delivered and set free. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.